You're listening to Mint Condition with Brad Slater, a sports card podcast for the collector by a collector. Woo! We're back. Are you mad? It's been a couple weeks. Did you miss my voice? I missed all of you. Trust me, I did. I won't do it again. Okay, I can't promise that, but I'll do my best. Welcome to Mint Condition. I am Brad Slater, your host. And what a great show we have for you this week. Going to be talking autographs. How do you keep them? How do you maintain them? How do you display them? Jack Cookson, president of Pro-Am Sports, is going to join me. Also... The sports card investor himself, Mr. Jeff Wilson. I found him way back in 2019 when he started doing tremendous YouTube content. He's moved on to TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. He's taking the world by storm with sports cards. His knowledge and information I use every single day when it comes to sports cards. So we're going to talk to Jeff. And also we'll talk about the cards I've got. Have you got anything new? I haven't really picked up anything crazy. I got a card show this weekend, looking to make some trades. Have you guys done any trades? Any bad trades? Ugh. Got to be careful. A lot of people out there want to take advantage of you and your cards. Be smart. I'll help you with that. But as we do, every week here on Mint Condition, we kick off the show with our big guest. Joining me this week to talk sports cards is the sports card investor himself, Jeff Wilson. I had a chance to sit down and chat with Jeff, and here's that conversation. Thanks so much for joining me, Jeff. I really appreciate it, man. And I see this past weekend, uh, you and your family were in Disney World. Now, before I get to cards, my wife and I are Disney fanatics, so I have to ask, because I saw it in your your social media feed, tell me about the Tron coaster. Please tell me about the Tron coaster. Oh, yeah, the Tron coaster. Yeah, it was it was brand new. We, you know, it's, I think, what, the third day open when we when we wrote it. It was it was good. It it was maybe slightly short of my expectations, and the only reason why is because it's a really short ride because they were space constrained in Magic Kingdom, so they weren't able to give it that much space. It was such a good ride that you you just wanted it to go for a lot longer, but it was pretty quick. I think it was like a thirty second you know coaster. Um, so I wish it was a little longer. If it was, it would have been exceptional. But it was it was a little on the short side, but. They made the most of, of what they had with it. It was uh, it was a fun, quick ride and a very well themed. Nah, it just looked like you and your family had a great time. Did you have a chance to check out any card shops while you were down there? No, not this time. We were real packed with Disney stuff, but there are I've, I've heard there are some good card shops in Orlando, and of course, um, uh, Layden Sports Cards. Uh, you know the big breaking uh, company, Rich Layden. Uh, they do. Uh, they're they're based in Orlando in that general area. They they actually have a card shop shop. Speaking with the sports card investor, Jeff Wilson. Uh, so when did you rip your first pack of cards, Jeff? And do you remember the shop you did it in? Gosh, I mean, I would have been, I was a kid, you know, it would have been, uh, I don't know, like eight years old, I'd say, or something like that, but in the 1980s. So Baseball? I, I, definitely, I definitely don't remember the specific shop. What I do remember is that the 7-Eleven store, the convenience store, which was uh, about a mile from my house. And then there was also a, a pharmacy uh, store down there as well. And both of them sold cards. And so what I do remember is uh, every day uh, after school, getting on my bike and biking a mile down the road, 
uh, to buy a pack of cards, uh, scrounging together whatever money I possibly had to do that with. Now, I know when you were 14, you, you started a job at a, was it Saratoga that you worked at a sports card shop? Sarasota, yes. Sarasota, Sarasota. Florida, that's right. And there were uh, a few sports card shops in Sarasota when I was growing up, so that was ex- exciting. And I had always wanted to work on work at one, so I was really excited when I got the chance. At 14 was... Um, when you could legally work uh, in the U.S., when you could get your first first job was 14. Yep. So right when I turned, literally the day I turned 14, uh, you know, I, I went around and, and and applied for jobs at the local sports card shops. And I, w- I was able to get one. And that was that was an exciting moment for sure. So were you a heavy into collecting? Like, did you did you have a lot of cards as a kid or was it just like a job thing? Or how, how was it for you? I was a huge collector, mainly baseball. Um, you know, in retrospect, I wish I had collected basketball because yeah. the 1980s basketball cards uh, hold a little more value these days. But of course, mainly everybody back then was collecting baseball. Yeah. I mean, I, and I still have all the cards. I mean, tens of thousands of, of, of top all those sets from the, uh, from the late eighties clear. Uh, and then of course, upper deck when it came out in 1989, that was a game changer. So you stepped away from going card- for that. was uh, an incredible rush. Uh, the 1989 Upper Deck card. Ken Griffey Jr., uh, you don't know this, but he is my favorite uh, athlete and baseball player. And in my room right now, I'm just staring around at memorabilia and bats and helmets and stuff. He's he's my favorite baseball player of all time. So, no, that's cool that you collected the kid as well. Such an iconic card. It was such a game changer. I mean, he was the big chase card that everybody was going after. All of his cards, it didn't matter what set. You know, Donruss, uh, you know, Topps traded. He was in... Um, and, uh, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't matter, but upper deck was the crown jewel, right? Upper deck was a brand new set and Ken Griffey Jr. ushered that set into existence and, and not only did so, but was like this just massive chase card from the time. And of course, back then upper deck was an expensive card compared to all the others. Yep. Um, you know, now you were talking about the difference between like a dollar and $2 for a pack. But, you know, that extra, you know, to, you know, premium, that extra dollar premium you had to pay for upper deck was was a big deal back when you were, you know, a 10 year old kid as I was. So that was uh, that was that was a big deal if you were able to afford to get and, and chasing for that chasing that Ken Griffey Jr. was uh, just a, a big memory in my childhood. It makes you think sometimes that. Today, you look at Julio and, and Wander and, and Spencer Torkelson and those guys, rookie cards and the prices they sell for. And then you look at Griffey, and it's like, if Griffey was a 2023, like if his rookie card came out this year, it would be just like it is with Julio. But it's just weird how like people view the junk wax era and the cards back then and with the prices of today. It just, it, it just blows my mind sometimes. And I think I was reading the other day with Julio Rodriguez or something like 300 rookie cards of his where Mike Trout there was five. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. And I mean, it's even more extreme in other sports. Um, Zion had 1,999 different rookie cards, believe it or not. Um, if you take into account all the different sets and all the different variations and parallels, um, which, you know, whereas Michael Jordan had one or, or maybe two, if you want to debate star versus Fleer, then Michael Jordan had two rookie cards and, and Zion has 1,999. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different world today. You do have to worry uh, a bit about the long term of some of the ultra modern cards as a result of that. Like, you know, is a how valuable is a Julio Rodriguez card going to be? Even if he goes on and has a career like Griffey, even if they have the same career, 
how valuable is one of his cards really going to be in, in, you know, 30 years, just because there are so many different types of them out there. On the other hand, though, um, you know, the, the way they manufacture cards today is a lot different. The fact that you've got all the different uh, numbered cards and variations and refractors, yeah. they build scarcity into the product. And one of the challenges they had in the junk wax era was they had none of that. It was just the same Ken Griffey Jr. card from Upper Deck printed a million different times um, or the same Donner's card or the same Topps card printed to absolute oblivion. And so because there was no numbering and there was no parallels and there were no rare inserts because none of that existed as a result of that it 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 was hard for anything to have or maintain value at least now even though there's 300 different julio rodriguez rookie cards there are some of those 300 that are still going to be valuable down the road because they're the ones that you know hold up the best over time that are truly the most scarce and unique see i took a flare on one i bought a tops chrome x-fractor uh, numbered to 125, Julio Rodriguez, PSA 10, PSA 10 auto. So that was my, that's my one. Yeah, that that's I'm a real one. So you got the scarcity, yeah. you got the, you know, first of all, X-Fractor is a iconic top um, parallel. You know, they've had X-Fractors for many, many years. So there's, there's name recognition with the X-Fractor. You've got an obviously fairly low number. The fact that it's the PSA 10 with the 10 auto naturally adds a, a, quite a bit of scarcity because there's not many of those that are going to get a 10 10. Yeah, so it's a pop, pop two right so now. you created how many? Uh, pop two and one golden, yeah, two, uh, yeah. one Beckett black sold for 97.50 on golden. So that's that's a card that will hopefully hold up, you know, well for you over the long term. Um, it, it should it, it should at least hold up better than most. True. Now I have to say. Uh, not many of my listeners are going to be aware of the sports card investor. So I would like to know uh, if you could tell the story about how the sports card investor started in 2019. Yeah, we started. Uh, so basically what happened is I got back into cards after, you know, huge into it as, as a kid, as we just talked about, then totally lost touch with cards for many, many years. Got back into cards in 2018 when my uh, older son uh, came home from a visit to uh, his grandmother's house, my mom's house with a pack of football cards that she had bought him, I think when they were at target that day and she bought him a pack of cards because, um, she, you know, she said, Hey, your dad used to be really into these. Maybe you'd like him as well. And he comes back home from that trip and he got football cards. And I was like, Oh yeah, I haven't seen these in forever. And we opened the football cards together. And that leads to me pulling out my old card collection and getting curious about cards again. And as soon as I got back into cards and started to look around, I realized what I felt like was incredible potential with, with the sports card market. I, I quickly came under the mindset that I, I thought it was going to explode in popularity again. I thought that the products were way better today than they were previously. You had grading today. You had better online communities. Uh, of course, online communities were non-existent in the 80s when I was collecting. You had, you've got marketplaces. you got liquidity. There were so many factors why I thought sports cards were going to start trending again and media yeah social media is another big one as well sure so i started buying a lot of cards in 2019 and i i also though beyond just wanting to buy cards i had a bunch of business ideas for the space one of which was market movers uh you know the fact there was no product back then that would actually chart the performance of cards or allow you to track your collection I, i thought that that was insane so uh, Market Movers was um, a product that I dreamt up at the beginning of 2019. 
Um, and I decided though, to start with the YouTube channel because there also was a lack of good sports card content on YouTube. Uh, most of the content on YouTube was just simply people breaking. Yeah. So I said to myself, if I could, if I could start a YouTube channel, if it were to gain subscribers, that would both kind of validate my business ideas and the fact that other people want to think about sports cards the way that I do and think about the investment aspects and the dollars and cents and all that kind of stuff. And I said, at the same time, it also, if it's successful, will give me a build an audience to be able to promote market movers and whatever products we come out with in the future too. So um, I launched the YouTube show in July of 2019. Um, in fact, I went to the national at the end of July of 2019. That was my first national. And uh, I did a show from that national. It was one of the first shows that I did. Um, and and the, sh- the channel became, you know, relatively popular pretty quickly because there really wasn't any other content like it. Yeah. Um, we, we grew in subscriber count. And, and I said, you know, a couple months later, I said, okay, it's time to really start working on market movers. So we started to build out market movers. We launched market movers in February of 2020. And... Um, that also was a big success from day one. So we had we had the Sports Card Investor YouTube channel that was growing quickly. We had our Market Movers data product uh, and collection tracking product that was growing quickly. I hired my first two employees in April of 2020. And then we just continued to ride the growth pattern of the hobby. We, we um, continued to reinvest and, and just more and more content, more and more you know, more and more data, more and more products. So today, you know, we've got the largest reach in the sports card hobby. Uh, we're across YouTube, across social media, and, you know, Instagram, TikTok, oh, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, we've got, you know, a massive um, email list we build up. Our website is um, one of the highest traffic, if not the highest traffic website in the sports card hobby. So, we're kind of everywhere at this point. Um, our sports card investor app is the most installed app in the sports card hobby, the most used app in the sports card hobby and uh, market movers uh, continues to go on subscriber count. And, and uh, it's the most used product of the type in the sports card hobby as well. So uh, today we're 25 employees and, and, you know, working on all these different uh, products and content initiatives. That's outstanding, Jeff. Speaking with Jeff Wilson, the sports card investor. Now, I have to say you were just at the Mint Collective, a huge show in the States. That's when uh, they like to pull some trickery out on us. Beckett decided to come out and say that any card that had a 10 in its grading will be going as a 10. And then out backlash, you know, what would it take, 24 hours for them to, to move off that statement? Yeah, it was pretty chaotic. Honestly, it was, a, it was, it was. It, it it overshadowed the show to a degree because everybody was talking about what was going on with Beckett and them announcing this. They not only announced it and backed off, backed off it, but they also they announced it at first and then they changed their plan because originally their original sign said that four nine fives would be a ten, and then they changed it to say it had to have at least one ten subgrade in order to be an overall ten, and then they backed off that. So it was. Yeah, it was a wild uh, 48 hours there of uh, Beckett news. So when you're at a show like that and you hear, you're walking around and you just hear something like that come out, is that is that how the news got to you? Or, or did you have a, a text message or an email? And then when something like that gets to you, how do you how do you verify that when you're at a card show? 
Yeah, well, actually, the first uh, information that was reported on that was uh, when Beckett was setting up their booth during the day on Thursday, someone took a photo of the sign, which showed the sign was a grading label, which said, and it said new grading scale. And the grading label had four 9.5 subgrades. And then to the right, it had a big 10, a Gemin 10. So that was the first indicator. Now this person took a photo of it, immediately started circulating on social media. Beckett didn't want it to get out, um, which, you know, that was crazy that, you know, they wanted to control the announcement, but unfortunately a, a photo leaked out ahead of time. So, um, so then there was a lot of backlash. So then when Beckett the following day actually made the official announcement, they had updated their sign to now show that a 10 subgrade was required for it to get a 10 overall. Oh, okay. But that didn't seem to make people any happier. So then they pulled that back as well. So it was at first it was really social media, but then I immediately went over to the Beckett booth and, and tried to get information about what was going on. And, um, you know, try to get information for Beckett employees and that kind of thing. And, and, and at first, at first they didn't want to address it and weren't answering questions. And then later in the show, they were willing to talk about it and address it. And that's as they had pulled everything back. So it was, yeah, it was, it was certainly an interesting time to be there. Now, not only do you have a, a very successful uh, YouTube page, but your, your kids have started one now too. And I think one of the, the most enjoyable videos I watched today was when your son made the trade for the Joe Burrow auto. Do you have any advice or tips out there for parents with kids who are either collecting or they're thinking about starting to get their kids into collecting? So I, I am huge on kids getting into sports cards because I think that by buying and selling and going to card shows and trading and negotiating, they're learning so many important life skills, right? I think they're, they're learning about money. They're learning about um, negotiation. They're learning about they're learning about how to how to do a business transaction, how to speak, how to shake hands, how to do think through a trade deal. Um, it, it, it has an entrepreneurial aspect to it. So there's so many reasons why I love kids doing it, and and I you know I learned a lot when I was a kid. I mean that's kind of my first entrepreneurial memories are are you know sports cards, yep. um, and so. And, and, you know, then I went on, obviously, to go start a bunch of different businesses. And so, you know, I, I want my kids to, to, to have those experiences as well. And I, I don't want them to always win. You know, I want them to have, I want them to have bad deals and, and, you know, sometimes maybe get taken advantage of or lose, lose a trade or pick a card that goes down in value or, you know, because that's, that's part of it, right? That's how you learn. You learn to win. You learn to lose. You learn what works and what doesn't work. You learn how to make money. You learn how to lose money. You know, you learn, you learn how to negotiate a good deal. You learn how to, you know, uh, get, get a bad deal. And, and, um, it's all a learning experience. And so I think, I think it's a fantastic thing for kids. It also allows them to connect with, you know, sports stars. It allows them to, you know, build a connection, uh, with, with, uh, you know, the teams they follow and the players they follow as well as with other kids. And of course, it allows them to build a collection and have the accomplishment of completing sets or, or, or finding the, you know, the particular card or the player that they really would love to have, whatever it is. So I'm huge on it. And I mean, I think for parents, you know, obviously it's helpful if you can get your kids started with a little bit of, you know, some cards, a little bit of money, whatever that looks like so that they have a starting point to kind of build from. But then, you know, let them, let them go, you know, encourage them 
obviously to do research, encourage them to understand prices. You know, they can download the sports card investor app and it's a free price guide. They don't even have to yep. subscribe to market movers. They can, they can download the sports card investor app and get a lot of that, you know, data for free. Um, and let them do it. They're going to make some mistakes. They might trade away a card they shouldn't or whatever it is. And that's part of the process. Right. And so I think, I think it's uh, I think it's a great thing for parents to help support their kids in. What were some of the more entertaining and marketing strategies that you've seen from card boost at your last shows that you've been to anything stand out particular that, you know, maybe I could try out this weekend. Anything you've seen that was just out of the box that you're like, Hey, that's cool. I do like dealers who stand out and have some uniqueness at shows. At the Mint Collective, there was a hobby shop from Korea called Hobby Korea that was there, and they were running a fun promotion that for every word of Korean you could speak, you would get you would get one percent off. You know, any type of card deal. That's awesome. Uh, of course, they had you know they had priced everything with that in mind. You know, max twenty percent off, right? Yeah. Um, but it was it was a fun promotion. It helped them stand out for sure and, and have some good conversation with people coming by the booth. Um, you know, I've seen different things. There's there's uh, you know I've seen people dress like dealers dress certain ways so that they they stand out and they're memorable. Obviously, you know how you lay your cards out and what type of cards you have and everything like that. But I think when it comes to any type of marketing, um, having you know. Ha- having whatever makes you unique um, and makes you a little different from everyone else and then kind of leaning into it. So whether it's the mix of cards you have, whether it's um, how you want to, you know, present yourself, uh, whatever it is, I, I, you know, try to build a little bit of uniqueness into what you're doing and then just have a really organized display. Having, I I really like uh, dealers who have pricing on display. It makes it a lot quicker. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you like seeing the sticker price or do you like asking the the person, you know, where are they at with the card? No, I'd much rather see the sticker price. I know it takes some work for the dealers to do that and they don't always love doing it because you know, the prices change show to show and everything like that. So, but I mean, it, I think in terms of being able to, you know, properly interact with customers and, and have, you know, have the ability for people to come by and, and understand and transact. I think having the prices out there is favorable for sure. Got a couple of last questions here for you, Jeff. One I wanted to really ask you was I was reading lately that Bowman is thinking about putting out Babe Ruth, Mantle, and some of the, the greats as first Bowman cards again, but only once. And once they do it the one time, they're not doing it again. Have you heard anything about this? And, and would you be down for something like this? Yes, this is correct. They are, in fact, doing that. I believe those are called the retrofractors. Um, this is uh, kind of big news from Topps and Bowman that you're going to see Bowman first cards of Babe Ruth and Jackie Robinson and, you know, all-time great stars like that, which apparently are only going to come out one year, as you said, in one Bowman release. And I apparently, you know, the reason, the reason why they said they were going to do it is because, of course, none of those players ever had first Bowman cards, right? Yeah. They were, they were, you know, before before there were first Bowman prospect cards, before those existed. So um, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, it's not, it, obviously having a 1933 Babe Ruth Gowdy is always going to be superior to having a, you know, 2023 Bowman, you know, Babe Ruth first, right, of course. But I, I still think it's kind of a neat idea. I, I think, I think what what uh, Tops is trying to do under Fanatics' direction is they're trying to put a chase card into every product. They're trying to have a yeah. card that people are 
are striving after, that they're going after, that they're that they're excited to have a chance to get in every single product. And, um, you know, I think this is a unique idea. Why not? Right. Why not do that? And, and there will definitely be people, especially when you, you know, especially like the super fractors yeah. and the, you know, the X fractors, like you just got one of those, like, you know, it, it, there's going to definitely be people that are excited about, a you know, a first Bowman, uh, you know, shoeless Joe Jackson X fractor, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Now, before you go, I got to tell you, there's a junior hockey player up here in Canada going by the name of Connor Bedard. He, I believe, scored 190 points in his final junior year, and his rookie card will be in Upper Deck Series 1 in the fall. Upper Deck has decided to change their pack configuration. They're going to go 12 and 12 with 12 cards and 12 packs, but they're introducing one-of-one young guns. This kid's one-of-one young gun card is going to be the biggest... It's going to be the biggest hockey card, I think, to date, because... It, it, even his Team Canada stuff right now, Jeff, is selling for 60 to $75 just for a base card. And it's just him in World Juniors. Like He has no pro cards yet. So I'm telling you now, when, when Upper Deck Series 1 comes out in the fall, Connor Bedard, the card's going to it's gonna be crazy. It's going to be absolutely nuts. There's people already pre-buying cases of cards up here. Well, that's exciting. You see, that's what the hobby needs. Like It needs good exciting rookies it needs cool cards like you know big chase cards like we need that there needs to be a reinvigoration of excitement around major release so that's great i mean obviously upper deck got lucky that this guy was up and coming but yep. the idea of doing the one of one is smart because it adds a extreme chase card element um into the product everybody's going to be hunting for that one of one uh, I, and I think that that will probably add a lot more interest to a new hockey release than has been seen in some time. So I think that's really exciting. Jeff, it's been a real pleasure. I could talk to you all day. Um, what's the best way for my listeners to follow you and stay in touch with your excellent content? Uh, where can they check you out? Yeah, we're Sports Card Investor, and that, of course, is on YouTube across all the social platforms. We, we do unique uh, content for every platform. So follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're doing unique stuff on TikTok as well. Sports Card Investor everywhere. And then my personal account is it's Jeff Wilson. Uh, Jeff is with a G, G E O F F. So you can check me out there. And then download that free Sports Card Investor app in the App Store. Um, it's a great way to get started. And we do have uh, hundreds of thousands of hockey cards in there. So you do. Uh, I've been checking them out. There you go. And absolutely. Uh, I'll be tagging this all in my uh, my social media posts as well, Jeff. So everyone will have all that as well. So once again, thank you so much. Keep up the awesome work. And keep having fun, man, because you can tell on your content, you, you definitely are. So keep, keep doing it, man. I love it. Greatest hobby on earth. Having a blast. Appreciate it. That was the sports card investor, Jeff Wilson. Thank you so much, Jeff. That was a great interview. I love having you on. Always educational, always informative, and I will definitely bring Jeff back on later in the year, maybe after the All-Star game, and uh, we'll get an update on card prices, new things going on in the world of sports cards. Moving on to autographs and memorabilia. How do you maintain them? How do you keep them? Will they fade in the sun? All those questions are going to be answered by my next guest. I am going to be joined now by Jack Cookson, owner of Pro-Am Sports in Edmonton. Memorabilia, jerseys, uh, pictures, pucks, anything to do with autographs and sports, you go to proamsports.ca. They have exclusive signing rights to some of the members of the Edmonton Oilers, including Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So they always have signings going on where you can drop off stuff and get it personalized. So always check them out. They have a schedule of everything upcoming. Go to their website, 
proamsports.ca. Hello, Jack. Good morning. How are you? Really good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, man. Pleasure. Uh, so what is, for our listeners that don't know, what is Pro-Am Sports and when did you guys open here in Edmonton? Pro-Am Sports is a, we, we call ourselves Fan Cave and Fan Gear Specialist. We kind of compartmentalize both of those where Fan Gear is what you wear, Fan Cave is, is what you put on your walls or in your memorabilia space. And uh, so we like to uh, chop it up that way. And there is a definite crossover uh, with a lot of our, our guests, uh, but, but there are certain people who are only fan cave, and uh, that's just what they do. And then they, they dress like uh, uh, normal people. Uh, and then there are the, the fanatics of the, the fan gear people who uh, sport the colors uh, 24-7, 365. So when you're buying an autograph or someone's looking at getting something signed and purchasing it, what are some of the things that you should look for as a buyer? Well, first of all, the quality, the clean signature. Um, we have what we call scratch and dent. Uh, we're a little bit nitpicky, and, and the rule around here is if we wouldn't put it on our wall, I would expect you to put it on yours. That's a good so rule. If it, you know, if it's an autograph, is streaky, uh, or it just the, the pen uh, skipped, or you know, it, stuff happens during signing. Um, we have that scratch and dent uh, category that that will sell at an off price if it's still saleable. Uh, but I, I would say that the, that the number one thing that you, you want to look for is the quality of the signature, uh, where it's located on the item, and, you know, of course, the authenticity and yeah, you know, who important. you're buying it from. And that's that's the most important part. I, you know, you need to be worried about it being the real deal rather than just a deal. And sometimes you have to pay a little bit more to get uh, what you should you want to buy but sometimes if it's too good to be true it's because it is no that's an excellent point uh joined here by jack cookson from pro-am sports jack what is the best way to preserve an autograph when you want to display something in your house i know it's common sense sunlight is not going to be our friends but is there any other things to keep in mind when displaying hanging anything like that even displaying a helmet uh in your house when it comes to keeping that longevity of that autograph alive Sure. We, we offer a, an upgraded glass, uh, our preservation glass uh, that, that uh, is uh, museum quality. That's, that's, that helps a lot. Uh, we tell people all the time, don't have it on a light-bearing wall. And what I mean by that is, to your point, you know, if you've got a big picture window in your, in your living room, uh, you don't want to have it on the, uh, the wall where that, the, the sunlight is getting at it all day long. Because there isn't anything that we can do to preserve something if it's just taking direct UV all day long. Uh, so that's that's part of it. You know, I, I've I've got uh, as I look around my office, I, I have got nothing in my office that's signed. Uh, lot, lots of photos and pieces of memorabilia in here, and it's simply because I've got these goofy uh, fluorescent lights that are in most offices that stay on all day long while I'm here. Yeah. And that's just not the best situation for uh, uh, preserving an autograph. You know, LED lights over uh, like a standard floodlight is is a little bit better. Um, but uh, you know, I, if if you've got it in your basement or your fan cave, that you know, don't be afraid to turn on the lights and enjoy the room. I mean, that's why you you've got that space that you built for yourself. But you need to be wary of the fact that that nothing is forever if it's taking a lot of abuse and the 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 biggest case of abuse that an autograph can take is exposure to the UV lights. Now, 
you've been in this game for a long time, and you saw the rise of uh, Connor McDavid in 2015, and I don't think we'd seen something like that with value and, and autographs and collecting since Sidney Crosby, maybe, and Alexander Ovechkin. Will Connor Bedard trump Connor McDavid in the fall when it comes to his availability of his autographed and signed items, um, or do you think he'll fall still behind Connor? Do you think there's that big of a buzz with this kid? Yeah, I think he's going to be big. I, I really do. Don't get me wrong. I, I if my hesitation is a uh, in, in Edmonton where we have Connor McDavid, uh, we're in a, a different space. You know where any Edmontonian. Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve years ago, could tell you the top six draft picks in order and what positions they play. I, I think you could walk around and do a, a sports fan poll right now and say, "Name me another player that's going to go in the draft this summer other than Connor Bedard," mm-hmm. and they might look at you funny. Uh, but they can tell you exactly how many goals Derek Ryan has this year yep. for the Edmonton Oilers. That just goes to show you where the Oilers are uh, on on the big scheme uh, of things locally. Um, so they're on a different cycle pattern uh, than, you know, uh, than say fans of the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Anaheim Ducks are right now. I, I do think that Connor's Bedard is going to be a, a huge buzz this fall. It also, it also depends on, on, on the market he goes to. I was going to ask you um, that. It, it absolutely does. You know, I, I, Toronto, Edmonton, Boston, Chicago, Philly, you know, all of those big, uh, I love hockey first or close to first uh, market, uh, if he goes to one of those, uh, then then you have the the ability to really have just an excellent jump start to what I suspect. Uh, I'm, I'm not a hockey scout, but I suspect from everything I've seen, he's going to be a heck of a hockey player for, for a long time to come. So growing up, who are some of the autographs or, or sports cards even or, or athletes that, that you followed and, and you collected as a kid and, and even as a teenager and now as an adult? Who are some of the athletes that you follow? Ironically, um, I'm not uh, uh, a card guy now, but I was a diehard card guy as a kid. Um, I, I'm old enough uh, to remember when uh, wax packs were wax packs, and uh, I remember the, the price increase from $0.10 cents to $0.25 cents for a pack. <laughs> So uh, that that's that's how old uh, I, I am, and uh, you know I, I loved uh, you know back in the day. Uh, I grew up in the WHA era, um, so I collected both WHA OPT cards and and uh, NHL OPT as well as uh, as well as baseball. So that late mid to late seventies uh, uh, was was where my wheelhouse. Of interesting cards really was strong, I, ironically, and probably not uh, from the the best uh, result economically for the rest of my life. It started to uh, uh, lose interest uh, right around the Gretzky rookie time. Okay, do you think later on in life that your your card passion and collecting as a kid might have had a hand in pro am sports, like a small fraction? I've always loved sports. Um, I, I was a jersey guy, a replica jersey guy, uh, then became gaming jersey guy. Um, and I've just, sports is a passion. Uh, my, my, my family, uh, we, we just got back from a, a vacation, and I'm doing air quotes right now, where uh, there were two uh, baseball games that, that we went to. Luckily, I, I, I have a family that, uh, that loves sports as well, um, but uh, it's... It, it truly is a passion, and, and I've been lucky enough to 
work my passion uh, for uh, you know the better part of my entire adult life. Speaking with Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports, Jack, what is the best way for people to follow you guys and keep up to date on all things Pro-Am Sports? I know you guys have updated signings. You always post and upcoming events you have. What is the best way to keep in touch with everything Pro-Am Sports? Our website at proamsports.ca is is the central hub for everything we do. Uh, Our links to social media are on there. We're on uh, Facebook and Instagram and and Twitter. Uh, You know, we're email us phone call uh love to have people into what we call we don't call it a store we call it the fan cave it's awesome uh, and anyone uh, in edmonton that hasn't been you have to go in there it just takes your breath away as soon as you walk in the door they got blinds in the front preserving all the autographs and everything and just as soon as you open the door it's like it's kind of like what i haven't been there yet but i kind of picture what it would be like to walk into the hockey hall of fame it's just one of those feelings you get of nostalgia and just a kid in a candy store you just walk around aimlessly for an hour looking at everything right well, I appreciate that. That's another compliment to be compared with the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, I've been to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and, and uh, we're not that good. But It gives uh, you the feeling, you. though, it just because you see sure. things you don't normally see, and, and not that you're touching them, but like, where, where else can you go in the city and see the type of Connor McDavid autograph selection or, you know, see this Brett Favre item or Russell Wilson or, you know, everything in your store is unique, and I think that's what makes you guys so special. Well, I think the, the key thing for what we do and anybody in the in the collectibles, whether it be sports or anything else, it's the tangible connection between your memories or your passion and then whoever sparks that now, whether it be an athlete or a, a, an actor, a musician, whatever is your thing, we're that conduit uh, uh, between you and them. Um we recently had we've we've got a whole bunch of the uh, the old section signs. Uh, not, I shouldn't say a whole bunch because we're we're dwindling down uh, from the Coliseum here in Edmonton. And we recently had uh, a guest come in, and he researched along with my brother and partner Ken uh, where he sat on the closing night of the Coliseum, the Oilers' last game. And uh, they they went on uh, and figured out exactly where he was. And they found uh, a picture of, and luckily we had the section sign, and he, he bought it and is displaying it proudly in his home now. And, and you know, I know there are a lot of people out there who would look at some of the stuff that, that we sell and that you collect, uh, that we collect, and go, why would you want that? Uh, but again, it's that connection. You know, that, the, the, the guest that was in, he goes, like, there I am in that photo and yeah. there's that section sign right there. And now I, you know, it's part of my, it's part of my collection. So it's that connection. And the cool thing about this is, you know, people come in the day after an order win or an order loss or a blue Jay win or a blue Jay loss or anything that happens big in sports. And uh, it's, we're, we're a water cooler. You know, people yeah. have often said that if we started selling coffee or beer here, uh, they might get divorced. <laughs> Hey, I could say add donairs to that too, and I'd never leave. <laughs> well, we're not going to offer food and beverage anytime <laughs> soon, but uh, but if anybody ever wants to come by uh, uh, and, and just have a chat, talk sports with some fellow sports nerds, uh, we're here to play. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jack. I really appreciate you joining me this week, and uh, all the best, and let's hope for a long Euler run. Here's hoping. Thank you, sir. You're listening to Mint Condition with Brad Slater. Visit us at mycardsaremint.com. Follow us on Twitter at mycardsaremint.
I want to again thank Jack Cookson, president of Pro-Am Sports, for coming on and providing us all with that great information on autographs, buying them, preserving them, what to look for when you're buying them. So check out Jack and all their amazing products at proamsports.ca. All right. So I posted on Twitter a while ago that I was going to try a beverage this week because I always end the show with sipping and ripping. Nothing better than sipping. Nothing better than ripping. So I picked up as I bang my microphone, Logan Paul's Ice Pop Prime. This thing was $13. Yeah, I'm stupid. I know. $13 in Edmonton at the outlet mall. It says here expecting it to be rocket flavor. Those popsicles because it's red, white, and blue. So let's, uh, yeah, let's try this. All right, here we go. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay, instantly, it's basically salty Gatorade with a lot of sugar. Yeah. I don't know why kids are buying this, because it's it's not good. So, oh. Oh. I'm sorry. That's terrible. I'll stick to my blue Powerade, and I'll be quite happy. Oh. Let's get back to cards. So this week, I got a show. Looking to make some deals this weekend. I got a lot of baseball cards. Time is now to sell baseball. The time to buy now is football. So if there's a rookie or there's someone you're looking at that you think is going to take off in football next year, this is the time to buy them. Right before the draft, no one's talking. Just slide under the radar, get that card. But uh, right now, off-season time right now is to buy football for sure. Um, time to sell right now is going to be hockey. It's going to be ba- uh, basketball because the playoffs are starting. Again, just watch the games. Watch these people. If they put up a, a career game. If they put up, you know, an overtime winner, let's say, watch the prices go up. And then again, when the team gets eliminated, the prices will go down. So just a fun time of year. You have a lot going on. You said the Masters. So, yeah. Can you tell I'm excited for the playoffs? Just uh, just a little bit? Yeah. I'm fired up. The Oilers are going to play the Kings. Kicks off next Monday, the 17th, with Game 1 here in Edmonton. Game 2 will be in Edmonton on the 19th. It'll go back to L.A. for Friday and Sunday, Games 3 and 4. And I will say it on the Mint Condition podcast, Oilers in 5. I uh, I don't think the Kings have the goaltending. Yes, I know they have Drew Doughty back this year. Yes, I know Deneau can play. Yes, I know Kemp can, Kempe or whatever the heck his name is can score. Um, but you have Connor McDavid motivated. You have a healthy Leon Dreisaitl motivated. You have a healthy Darnell Nurse motivated. And you have a goaltender from Edmonton who dreamed this moment as a kid. He played street hockey right here in Edmonton, dreaming of this moment to play for his team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're not telling me that Stuart Skinner is going to put up some numbers in the playoffs? I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup right now. But watch out for the Edmonton Oilers because they're real. They're a wagon and they're coming for you. So again, 
Happy sipping. Happy ripping. Take care, everybody.